Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is for us to work together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, it's worth just telling you that there's always a transcript available of each and every one of these talks that I've given. And you can access it by going into the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast, no matter where you're receiving it from. Now, the podcast, the audio version is hosted on Buzzsprout, and within that, there is not only links to various ways of connecting with the ministry, but a transcript page where you can access the full content of what I've said. And I'd like to remind you that all of these talks and the contents thereof, of, and the text thereof, are free for you to use in whatever way you want. You can use them to reconstitute them, to do your own Bible study, or even sermon outlines. So take them and run with them with my blessing. But with uh, now, if you happen to be watching the video version, either on Facebook or YouTube, there'll always be a link through to the audio there where you can find the transcript. And there'll also be things with links to the likes of my Facebook page and also the, my YouTube channel where there's lots more teaching. There's even a link through to my sound design website where I create the music, background music and other stuff that I do in the sound design area, which you're free to have a look at that and hopefully get some enjoyment or benefit out of it. There's also a link there to my Patreon page where I do host exclusive content that I make available to my patrons. And there's also even some discipleship courses that you can, more formally structured courses that you can choose to follow along and maybe develop your ability to preach or to teach through the Word of God. But anyway, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining with me and I hope you're really uh, benefiting from getting the rhythm of the Bible into your daily life as we work and study together through the amazing Word of God. But that's it for now and we'll just jump in and continue with the main study itself. Okay, hi friends, welcome back. We are continuing in our journey through the book of Genesis and we've reached the point in Genesis chapter seven, we're considering this tale of two twins, Esau and Jacob, and we're reaching the point in the story where uh, we're covering the text from the tail end of Genesis 27, beginning at verse 39, and we'll be bridging over into the first nine verses of chapter 28 because it is a very long narrative that bridges three chapters now if you remember where we left off last time we're picking up on the point where he's put his father Isaac under pressure to give him a blessing Esau having lost his uh, birthright and his inheritance he's now putting his father Isaac under pressure to still give him a blessing and this is what his father actually says and just as a warning be careful what you ask for, Esau. His father answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from your neck. 
Now, in this particular translation, the little phrase that talks about being away from the earth's riches and the dew of heaven, their way of saying that you're not going to live in a very prosperous uh, state. You're going to live in a barren place. That's your inheritance. And also that you're going to live and you're going to have to serve your brother. That's going to be your experience. You're going to experience oppression and conflict throughout your life. You might try and escape or contest that, but you're still going to end up serving your brother. So there's a long history of conflict being laid out here. I don't have time to go into it all, but this prophecy will in fact become fully realized and it is described, its end result of it is described in a little book in the Old Testament called Obadiah. Obadiah is just one chapter long, it's just before the book of Jonah in the Minor Prophets, and it details the prophecy against Edom, who are Esau's descendants. So this is literally fulfilled in the history of Israel and the relationship that that nation has with its neighbours. So picking up the text in verse 41, it says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob. Not surprisingly, really, I suppose, because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. All right, let's just analyze what this verse says. What's going on here? Esau was envious of Jacob because he'd sold his birthright and lost his blessing. But now he still wanted a blessing from his father. But it's maybe too little and it's too late. Here we see that envy at his brother's situation metastasizing and turning into hate and that hate will actually turns into a desire to murder his own brother he says to himself my father's probably going to die quite soon so i'm just going to wait till he dies and then i'm going to kill my brother now does that sound like something that happened a thousand years ago it almost sounds like something you'd watch in one of these long-form documentaries or something you'd read in a newspaper today this is really up-to-date stuff in terms of the human condition. We hear stories all the time about conflicts, particularly when a wealthy father dies and there's a large inheritance. We often see children and siblings at each other's throats. Have you ever known siblings to go at each other because of an inheritance? I've done a few funerals in my time and a local funeral director I spoke to says she sees it all the time. Well, welcome to the book of Genesis. It's here also, all these thousands of years ago. Let's continue with verse 42. When Rebekah was told what her elder son Esau had said, she said to her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say and flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. In other words, Esau, get out of town, his mother saying. Now the way this is worded, the words used here indicate that she wants him to go immediately. There's a real intensity here. Get out now and go to our extended family member Laban. Get out of town and stay out of town, hoping that after a while things will calm down a little and he can come back. Well, is that what happened? Not even close, friends. Later, as we go through the book of Genesis, we will discover it's 20 years before Jacob can come back. 
But right now, what we need to understand is that her, her plan is for him immediately to get out of town and to hopefully be able to come back in a few days or a few weeks. Chapter 27 then closes out by saying, Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I am disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife among the women of this land from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. When your brother is no longer angry and, and forgets what you did, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? So you see there, she is hoping that her brother, that his brother's anger will reduce and that he will eventually forget what Jacob did. And then she hopes that she can send for him to be brought back. Why should I bereave, she says, and lose out to you both in one day? Because if you stay and he kills you, in effect, I'm going to lose two sons because the relationship with Esau is very already terrible because of the fact that he's married these local uh, Hittite wives. So she then goes back to Isaac, her husband, and says, look, Jacob needs a wife. So I'm going to send him back to my brother, to my brother's household, and he can get a wife from among our extended family and not from the people of this land. So she sells the idea to Jacob of him leaving to, in a sense, find a wife in amongst her extended family. And she's doing that and telling Isaac that the remembering no doubt tri triggering in Isaac's mind the fact that that was how they met. That's how she became his wife. What she is suggesting looks similar to what happened between her and Isaac, but she isn't really sending him away to get a wife, though that in the fullness of time we will see that will happen. She's actually sending him away to keep his brother from killing him. Now, to finish this part of the story, we need to dip very briefly into the beginning of chapter 28. But before we do that, I just want to point out here that what she's doing is she's really playing every card in her book. So what happens next? Well, let's close out this story and uh, unpack it a bit by reading the beginning of chapter 28. So beginning at verse 1. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Pedamaram, to the house of your mother's father Bethel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Padam Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now, for the rest of these verses, Rebekah gives instructions and simply says, go and get a wife from our extended family. So here we have God promising to give the land to Abraham, to bless him and to bring a Messiah through his descendants. And these blessings will be seen now to be transferred to Jacob. And hence, this is where we get the Bible expression, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is the forefathers of the Jewish people. 
So continuing in the text, now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Padanaram to take a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padanaram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Maharthalah, the sister of Naboth the daughter of Ishmael's son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Right now, we're shifting back to Esau for a moment. We're almost done with him. He's getting a Canaanite wife. By getting a Canaanite wife, he didn't please his father. So, poor Esau, he doesn't get it right yet again. And it is at this point in the book of Genesis that Jacob has gone off and the narrative follows the story. But this is the point at which Esau fades into the background. Jacob ends up, we will find out, ending up having 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes of the nations of Israel. But just before we get into that, I want to pause and just consider for a moment what we've seen so far in this story, because it's important to just pause for a moment as uh, Esau, in effect, exits the stage. So in a nutshell, Rebekah and Jacob together deceived Isaac and of course his brother Esau. And when Esau becomes angry with Jacob, Jacob, under the advice of his mother Rebekah, he flees. And that's the story in a nutshell. And it tells us something, and it tells us something really important about God. It tells us something about these two brothers and if and it can tell us something about ourselves if we let it by the way do you see any redeeming quality in the characters or in how they behave in the story there isn't a good guy in the whole thing is there spiritually speaking and that i believe is the big lesson here folks that's the lesson of the story the lesson is folks even when our lives can be a car crash you can't thwart the plans of God. God accomplishes his purposes in spite of the sins of people. Isaac was disobedient, Rebekah was a manipulator, and Jacob is seen to be an extremely deceptive person, yet through it all, God still accomplishes his purposes. One commentator I wrote said, and I quote, this account is another remarkable demonstration of God's ability to use the sins of men and women to accomplish his purpose and at the same time punish the sinners for their sins. This chapter, or this story across these three chapters, offers one of the most singular instances of God overruling and controlling the, his plans and purposes despite the affairs of sinful men and women. The interests of God's kingdom are safeguarded when, when, even when what men and women intended for evil, God still utilizes it and uses it for good and to fulfill his purposes. So one lesson in this long story that we can all put in our back pocket and carry around with it is you're not going to mess up God's plans. God says, I'm going to say to those who believe in Jesus Christ and simply trust in him that he is going to give us the gift of eternal life. 
And what that tells me is that even our mistakes or our sins are not going to frustrate the grace of God and his plan for us in our life and his his eternal plan to take us to heaven. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are eternally secure. And I think even in the most difficult of stories, we can find great comfort in knowing that. It's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life and it's not based on our goodness. It's based on the fact that God offered it to us as a gift. So let me conclude by telling you something about these two brothers. This is the third time they've been going at each other. The first was at the birth. The second was over the birthright and the stealing of it. And the third is here over this blessing. And in all three instances, Jacob manipulated his brother in spite of God's promises. The manipulation and the deception of Rebekah did not gain Jacob anything because God had already promised the birthright would go to him. Actually, what they lost, they lost, and they lost a great deal. The mother lost her son. Jacob had to flee for his life. And we know that it seems likely that Rebekah never saw him again. And Jacob lost his comforts of home and all the possessions of his father that he had accumulated. He had to flee with nothing and begin a new life for himself. So yeah, what they did didn't interrupt God's plan and purposes and program. God still did what he was said he was going to do, but they still were disciplined by the outworkings of the decisions in their life. They didn't get any advantage. They didn't gain anything. They didn't gain anything they would not have received anyway because God had promised it anyway. So on one level, you might think it looks like they won, but they actually, personally, relationally, spiritually, they lost because they were separated from each other from the rest of their lives. Their success in God's sovereign plan and purpose was sarred by their physical separation from each other their distancing of their relationship and their distancing from living together as a supportive family unit therefore people who know god this should tell us we should never stoop to manipulation in an attempt to gain spiritual success but we must always strive to achieve what god wants us to achieve righteously. So what do we get from this when we finish reading it? What do we walk away with it besides getting to read what is a very fascinating story? What can we get out of it? Well, I think it really should be self-evident by now. It should teach us that in the end, lying and deception will never gain you a spiritual advantage. Had they done and lived righteously they would have gotten everything they wanted and yet they would have not suffered the personal consequences but they lied and they deceived and they deceived one another i'm going to conclude this by just reading from you from second corinthians chapter four by this time the spiritual lesson of this passage should be slapping you right in the face but just in case it doesn't let me state to you very simply in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 paul tells us this rather 
We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we command ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And that's 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2. That's the lesson. Don't use deception. Don't walk in wily, crafty ways. And don't handle the word of God in its outworking in any way that might be considered deceitful. We should walk away from this story saying that they practiced lying and deception. But you know what? As a Christian, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust in God to fulfill his plans and purposes in my life and in the life of others. And I'm just going to try and live a life faithful and honest to him. I'm going to practice transparency and truth and love in everything I do. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd just like to remind you, if you'd like to access a great deal more of my teaching, both the long format versions of these uh, podcasts, as alongside some discipleship courses I'm creating, it's going to be a, a series based on how to prepare expository preaching, some stuff in church history, and also some talks I've done in secular environments where I've tried to intersect the Christian faith in areas of mental health, art, psychology. Those are all available for you to access on my Patreon website. You just sign up there and become a patron in the knowledge that you are supporting this ministry and enabling it to reach more and more people. And also what is really helpful at whatever platform, wherever you happen to be, access in this teaching if you could like it or share it with others in whatever backgrounds that you exist digitally in that really helps get it out there but anyway that's it for today i hope you've enjoyed our time together i hope you've enjoyed this amazing project as we journey through the entire bible verse by verse and i hope to see you right back here again very soon it's tomorrow for me whatever day it happens to be for you i hope you'll join me and i'll see you soon on the bible project daily podcast bye bye for now